projects are very much about the founder. So I think it's important for, for founders to be kind of out there, recognizable and, and just like visible. Hi, everyone. This is Growing Web3, a podcast that uncovers the growth stories behind the most successful crypto, DeFi, DAO, NFT, metaverse and play to earn ecosystems. I'm your host, James RT, and each week I'll be sitting down with founders and experts on Web3 to pick their brains and learn about their growth stories. We'll discuss strategies and tactics to understand how they've grown Web3's billion dollar protocols and communities. So whether you're in the midst of your own growth story or just getting started, this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we discuss Growing Web3. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome to Growing Web3. I'm extremely excited to have Camilla Russo with us. She is the founder of The Defiant, author of The Infinite Machine, and yeah, has done many, many other things to help the crypto, DeFi, Ethereum community. Great to have you here, Camilla. Hey, James. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, it's great to chat. Wonderful. So maybe we could kick off. You could give a little intro to yourself and what you were doing before your life in crypto. Sure. So I'm a financial journalist. Before crypto, I was a reporter at Bloomberg News. I was there for eight years. I started as an intern in New York. I then covered markets in Argentina, in Buenos Aires from between 2012 and 2015, 16. Then I, I was in Madrid covering European stocks and then came back to New York at Bloomberg, kind of, I, I started covering crypto. At the end of 2017, I decided to pitch the idea of writing a book on Ethereum. Yeah, that's how kind of the Infinite Machine came about. I left Bloomberg in 2019 to finish the Infinite Machine. And that's kind of where I got the idea of starting a DeFi-focused newsletter, The Defiant. And then the newsletter has turned into a media organization. You started off in like traditional media and now like as I guess Web3 media has kind of emerged and now like a, a key piece of that with the Defiant, especially in DeFi and decentralized finance media. How does Web3 media look like today? Like what's the kind of landscape and how is it different from standard digital media? Let's see. I think that the Defiant covers Web3, but it's not really Web3 native. So Web3 Media, I think at the time is uh, composed of outlets, media companies that cover the space, but which use, you know, traditional Web2 digital media infrastructure using things like Substack and YouTube and regular WordPress sites like The Defiant does. And then there are emerging media organizations which are trying to use crypto and uh, blockchain tools as part of their process. In this case, you know, there are traditional Web2 media who are trying to transition into the space. Things like 
Decrypt, who, you know, they have a token and they have this kind of new pop DAO that's building up. There's GCR, uh, Global Coin Research, which used to be purely Web2 and now launched a token. And then there is some experimentation on just like purely like blockchain-based media, things that just started as Web3 native. These haven't really taken off yet. And, and there are very kind of few examples that I can think of, but like one example is something called GM News, like Good Morning News, and they're publishing news on NFTs. Like each new publication is an NFT. There's a DAO that votes on each story and it's very, very kind of blockchain based. So we have kind of this like spectrum of like of Web3 media. At the Defined, we we have experimented with some crypto tools, like we've distributed NFTs to our users and, and POAPs, and a more decentralized structure is definitely on the roadmap. It's really interesting what you said about the foundation of a lot of these publications, these Web3 publications, are basically just you know digital media outlets, but now they're starting to experiment and transition. I think one model which was always quoted, like I think over the last few years, was this idea of micropayments. And I think it's something which hasn't really taken off yet. You know, where you pay $1 or 50 cent or 10 cent to read an article. Yeah, it seems like Web3 should be able to solve that, but it hasn't really so far. That's kind of been an idea that's been kind of floated and tried many times over, but because of just like credit card fees, it really doesn't make sense to do micropayments over the, the internet. If we get to a point where a lot of our news consumption comes through just like token enabled websites where you are logging in via your Web3 wallet, like you have a MetaMask login into like the Defiant, for example, that can potentially finally enable this use case where, you know, there there is a paywall and you can choose between paying like a full subscription to the site or just paying for an individual story, which is what like many of us like always wish we could do. It's like, I really want to read this kind of Washington Post story, but, you know, I'm never reading the Washington Post. I just want to read this one thing. And we end up kind of missing out on, on content. So I think now, especially with layer twos coming live and, and, and becoming more popular and having more volume, that this can potentially work because like Ethereum fees are likely most of the time higher than credit card fees even. So that wouldn't help much, but potentially something like this on, on a layer two could work. Yeah, I think there are definitely some experiments happening. I know Mirror is slightly different. And I think there's Glass Protocol, which is like a decentralized video protocol. I think they're experimenting. But yeah, I think this use case of I really want to read this one article and I'd happily send them a small amount to read it, but I don't want to sign up for a monthly subscription is something that 
I mean, it has to, it has to be solved by Web3 soon. But yeah, maybe a, a layer two will be the one to solve it. Okay, so there are hopefully some founders watching this. And I thought it could be useful to kind of ask you a few questions about how founders and people working in this space should kind of view the relationship with journalists, the media, in crypto. Uh, yeah, it'd be awesome to talk a little bit about that. So my first question is, what, what kind of things can journalists and people working within the media in crypto do and what can't they do? Are there any like differences between when you worked in traditional finance? The differences aren't huge. It's like journalism is journalism. It doesn't matter where you are. You know, it's you, we follow the same standards. You know, some small differences are covering Web3. We understand that a lot of the participants are anonymous. So, you know, something that, would, that wouldn't kind of fly at Bloomberg is quoting someone without identifying them. I've obviously kind of let go of that requirement at the Defiant, and we're often uh, citing and quoting anons. That's kind of been a funny kind of change there. It kind of does require a bit more skill and experience because since these are participants who are are not identified, you're really relying on their like online track record to determine whether they are, you know, like a good source and, and should be quoted in a story or not. So it, it does require just like a bit more nuance from the reporter side to determine who's a good source and who's not. Something else that I have changed at the Defiant versus what I practiced at Bloomberg was that at Bloomberg, it was very strict, you know, this requirement of reporters not investing or not owning anything that they covered. At the Defiant, I, I found that's not the best policy to follow because first of all, like our team is super small. We have only three writers and they're covering all of DeFi and Web3. And at the same time, I think it's important for them to be in the space, like part of the community, experimenting with all the different protocols and just like being a part of the space because I want them to cover DeFi and Web3 from a, a, just like a very knowledgeable perspective and from the inside, not from the outside looking in, which is how a lot of mainstream media uh, covers Web3. To do that, you really have to participate. You have to own uh, these tokens and you have to you know, use these uh, protocols. That's a difference there. And because like I only have three writers, it's not like they're kind of each like super specialized. And you know, if there's like an other reporter and a compound reporter and like one reporter per protocol and per sector, maybe it would be easier to say, okay, you can own like other things, but don't own Aave if you're covering it. But in my case, it's like three reporters cover everything. So it's like someone might cover Aave one day, but then, you know, Luna the next day. So it's just like not practical to hold that policy. What I do ask is that they, they disclose whenever they're writing about something that they own and that they don't own a single token that takes up a huge part of their uh, total assets. So if one reporter has like a huge stake and like all their 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 money is in like one token, then that can potentially kind of bias the, their coverage. 
So yeah, that's kind of how I've modified that, that standard. I love that approach because yeah, I completely agree. Like it's the experience of actually using things. I mean, I'm sure it makes the reporting way better in general over anyone who hasn't used anything. It's important. I think, yeah, these, these moments using all these new products really click when, you know, a transaction goes through or you deposit money into a yield farm or something like that. It's really the only way to, to understand a lot of the more complex protocols is to just play around with them. So that's super interesting. And so for new projects, if they're, they're looking to try and get more content, to try and engage with the press and media, what do you think is the best way to kind of go about that? I think the, the best strategy is to just build something amazing that ends up becoming part of the news by itself. Like I know that's not kind of easier said than done, but that's the most effective way. All crypto sites receive a huge, huge amount of PR inbound, like dozens of press releases all the, every day. And it's just a lot, a lot of noise. Most of the time, what we end up covering is, you know, what is making an actual impact in the market. So suddenly, you know, this new coming protocol jumped to kind of the top 10 in TVL, or there's this token that's doing this kind of crazy price action, or suddenly, you know, people in the Philippines are using this protocol to earn kind of a additional income, you know, like all these uh, stories that are about how a protocol is making actual impact is what we'll write about and what more, most reporters will write about uh, rather than an announcement about a new feature that was added. Being a founder myself, I know how exciting it is to add a new feature and you believe that it's kind of like the most important thing that's kind of happening. But the reality is that it's not like nobody really cares and reporters won't like to write about that. What matters is kind of the impact in the market, in, in users that your product is making. What I would advise is for founders to start establishing relationships with reporters before kind of they need to make an announcement or or that something happens, you know? If you think like Owen at The Defiant is an amazing reporter, you can reach out and be like, hey, I'm the founder of X. We are building whatever. Like, I'd love to just like get on a 10-minute call and explain, you know, what this is, like show you how it works. And that way, you know, like your project is on this reporter's mind. And then just like be available to them. Like sometimes... You know, like reporters are writing about stories and they need voices, like they need people to comment on different things. If you're doing a derivatives project and this reporter is writing about derivatives, it'll be great to know that, oh, like I can reach out to this guy or this gal and they'll be super available and they'll give me a great quote. Just like start kind of establishing that relationship. And then when the time comes and there's like, oh my God, like your project just launch this token and like everyone's aping in and it's kind of this undercover story, you can send this reporter that you established a connection with a link and be like, hey, like this is happening. 
And so it won't be like so out of the blue and and you'll likely get more coverage than kind of just like sending a press release to like hundreds of, of news outlets. Yeah. One way I found that's work to engage with the reporters is if they write something really interesting, just to send them a DM on Twitch and go, that's a super cool article. I like this and this. Thanks for writing it. Then, you know, you can kind of open a dialogue or conversation and yeah, when you have news to share, because essentially things have to be interesting to be news. Founders, yeah, like you said, often have these, they're often so deep into their own product. They think a new feature is news when it's just not, but yeah, many other things can be news, especially, yeah, things that have a real impact. And yeah, even just asking a reporter, like the amount of times I've said to a reporter, hey, check this thing out, which is happening. They'd be like, mm, it's not interesting. I've been like, yep, fair. Thank you. I appreciate that. Just so you can have that conversation is really important and that relationship. And yeah, like you said, maybe they might say no a few times to things you put in front of them, but then there might be something, you know, that is significantly interesting to the reporter. And then, you know, if you already have that relationship, I'm sure they'd be happy to to dig in and learn more from the founders. I actually don't really know the answer to this. I should probably, but which projects do you think have been leveraging media coverage really well? I don't know. I'm thinking like, like projects that have like, that are very kind of visible on Twitter are likely to get noticed by reporters. Reporters, like pretty much everyone on crypto is constantly on Twitter. And that's where we get a lot of our story ideas. Like if we see something that's getting engagement, you know, that tells us, oh, like this is something people care about and that we should be writing about. Things like like Yearn, I think, have really good like Twitter skills. Maker has this kind of very knowledgeable community that writes kind of threads about proposals and just like kind of gives really good content on what what's going on and what what they're doing. I was going to say sushi. Sushi is, I mean, maybe maybe because of that, the amount of drama, it's quite interesting as often news, but they seem to do quite a fairly good job at engaging. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, like having kind of these like characters and like personalities in in our project, like that really helps. Uh, it really kind of drives attention. I think Ave does a good job as well. Like they have like really kind of good community managers, I guess, that, that just like interact with reporters a lot. And Stani himself is like out there kind of like DMing reporters, like with whenever something launches, like he's like very much on top of, you know, getting his thing, like whatever, you know, the, the latest thing is noticed. But yeah, it, it's again, it's about kind of like using social media to your advantage and it's about kind of es- establishing relationships with reporters. Yeah, that kind of touches on something that you've mentioned with Stanny from RB. Like he obviously, you know, at one point he was just another founder. He built, you know, building his product. He built these relationships and now he kind of has built the authority to just DM people and they know that it's going to be something pretty interesting because he's had so much success. His reputation is so strong and he's also built an audience for himself too. So yeah, I was wondering how, how important do you think it is that founders like build their own audience as a way to kind of show that they're trusted 
and they're a good source to be, yeah, make it easier to engage with the media. It's super important. In this day and age, it's like you you need to kind of be out there and just like establish your credibility, make yourself kind of known, you know, like beyond just like talking about their like the founder specific project. Uh, I think it's important to for founders to just like be active in in the space, giving their their opinions and their positions and their takes on things that just like establishes trust in in the person and in the project as well. Like it, it it's really it's really like a, a branding exercise for founders to do. Like because of, especially with startups, like the projects are very much about the founder. So I think it's important for for founders to be kind of out there, recognizable and and just like visible. It helps with everything, right? It helps with engaging with uh, people like you, media. Um, it helps with hiring. It helps with all these different aspects that a startup project needs. Okay, so one trend, like I think we've all seen over the last year, couple of years, is you know, crypto used to be focused so much on the fi- financial side of things, and now Web three, crypto, whatever we're calling it. It's, it's so, it's so broad now and, you know, there's such a big focus on like metaverse, NFTs, everything like this. Where, where do you kind of think these trends are going and how are mainstream media like engaging with all these new concepts? Do you think they're doing a good job, bad job? Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. My thoughts on how mainstream media is covering web three. Yeah. How they're covering web three. And if you think they're covering it in the right way. Like, should founders be looking to also engage with them, for example, or should they focus more on crypto media? It's hard to, like, have just, like, a blanket opinion on all mainstream media. You know, some are are doing a a better job than others. In general, mainstream media has become better about reporting crypto. You know, things like Bloomberg News, where I was at, and that didn't have a dedicated crypto team for since like basically until just like a few months ago now does have a small group of like dedicated crypto reporters and that's become the case across the board uh, before mainstream media just like put like a market reporter to write a bitcoin story whenever kind of the price was doing something but now i think you know newsrooms are realizing this is an actual kind of important industry that needs serious coverage. That means that coverage in general is improving because you have dedicated reporters looking at the space and and writing about it. It's still not not great. Like th- there's like tons of examples of uh, of sto- news stories in in mainstream media about crypto that like completely miss the mark and and don't have the nuance necessary or are falling into these like long disputed narratives about crypto that they're for criminals i mean that crypto is for criminals that it's obscure that the environmental impact was like this huge kind of mainstream story about crypto and and so on just like that's unfortunately still happening just like mainstream media latching onto these narratives that i think need more more nuance than what they sometimes give them also just like still focusing so much on on just the price and not really on 
what's just like technical development and what's what's happening beyond just like coin market cap. Yeah, I think it's still still early days for these kind of new crypto beats in mainstream media, but it's definitely getting better and better. One thing we find is some founders, they really want to pitch mainstream outlets and they might have a pretty niche product. So we say, you know, just focus on crypto media because they'll really understand your product and they'll probably use it, test it, and they might be able to have an, an, an interesting take on it and be pretty interested by it. Whereas I think, yeah, pitching mainstream media can be pretty difficult because, you know, they, they might just give a more kind of a higher level opinion and then tie it in with some other news that, might not necessarily be uh, so helpful to the project. But yeah, it's, it's good to know that you feel it's all moving in the right direction or beginning to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, I think yeah, for smaller projects, crypto media will be much more useful. You know, they'll be more likely to cover. They'll have a better understanding of what uh, the project is. And they will get to a, a, a more targeted audience, you know. Uh, so, you know, the defiance audience is definitely a lot smaller than Bloomberg's. But you know that everyone reading the defiant is a DeFi user. So you are, you know, you have a better chance of, of getting to like your actual target user than potentially, you know, going to like a bigger audience with just like a more general user. Absolutely. I'm always saying like, think about where people will be, where your audience will be for DeFi projects. Like think about where your audience will be, where they have MetaMask, right? Like you're way more likely to find a thousand people who have MetaMask and you can just, you know, quickly click through to your DeFi app and start playing around with it from the Defiant and potentially on Bloomberg, right? I'm always like, it doesn't matter the number of views, it matters the number of views of people who have this this context and this education of Web3, which is important for smaller projects. So I know you're also, you've also founded loads of stuff. You currently have a new product in the works, which is based on financial information. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's part of the Defiant, but our vision and goal with the Defiant is to become the most trusted information source for DeFi and Web3. And for me, information is made up of both content and data. So right, right now we have the content side of things, but we're missing the data side of things. And so we're building a data product. Right now we have like the bare bones alpha, like a closed alpha version of it that's being tested and early testers are giving us feedback. Our goal is to launch a public MVP this year. What like the Defiant Terminal does is it aims to hold all of the DeFi data that you could need to analyze the space in one place, in one platform that doesn't require any technical knowledge. So you don't need to be writing SQL queries to fetch data. It's you know just using a search bar. And it's extremely customizable. So, you know, unlike other data platforms, which just like feed you kind of static or, or basically almost static charts on the defined terminal, you're able to pull up 
any kind of data series and compare between assets and metrics across kind of time frames. So, you know, things like historical yields, historical liquidity and liquidity pools, lending and borrowing rates, things that you really can't get anywhere else. So that's what we're building. I'm super excited about it. It's why we're hiring too. So any devs listening, we're looking for data engineers, backend devs, frontend, and also web developers to handle our rapidly expanding website. So like we, we're facing kind of scaling issues right now at the Defiant. I think we all are. <laughs> we're also hiring like crazy. It can be the, the, the main challenge, I think, of the next year. This platform sounds extremely interesting as well. We need more context around marketing data, around growth data, around, you know, all types of data in this industry. So I'm super excited for that. And yeah, I can't wait to dig in to see how, how it can help companies improve their, yeah, improve their growth and, you know, start to think about data in a different way because there's so much of it. And I think the key issue is it lacks context. Okay, last question. This is a question I ask everyone. If you could be the CMO, CMO or, I don't know, you could be the head of PR or something like that for any company in the space, which one would you choose? And you can't choose Define, of course, because, yeah, that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so tough. For some reason, like, World of Women comes to mind. You know, I was a holder of, of their NFT They've just like grown so spectacularly and I just like really like their their mission and what they're doing. I'm all about kind of like bringing more women into the space and, and making sure that women have just like good role models. And I hope to inspire women to come into Web3. So yeah, World of Women is very much aligned with what I want to do in Web3. So I think I'd be a, a good CMO for them. Amazing. Yeah, that's a, a really, really cool project. I think that'd be a really nice one for you to be up. Very cool. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And how can people get in touch with you? On Twitter is probably the best place. I'm at Camille Russo, C-A-M-I-R-U-S-S-O. By the way, just like mentioning, I've been kind of impersonated a lot on Instagram because I haven't been able to get a blue check there. So just like for people listening, the correct Instagram is cami.russel and nothing else. So just FYI, uh, for The Defiant, the website is thedefiant.io. And there you can find links to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our newsletter and to listen to our podcast. And The Defiant on Twitter is at Defiant News to go follow it as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And yeah, I would heavily advise everyone to check out the Defiant YouTube because I think it has some of the best content in the space there and obviously the website. Thank you so much for coming on, Camilla. Thank you, James. This was fun. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Growing Web 3. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at hypepartners forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening again. And be sure to hit subscribe to listen to new episodes first. Growing Web 3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web 3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web 3 ecosystems. Go to www 
hype.partners to learn more.